Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Woman, great is your faith. I was lucky enough to grow up in the church at a time when I had multiple women whom I assumed had all but hung the moon. The faithfulness of one of those women in particular still astounds me to this day. I first met her as the chaplain at Shrinemont Camps, where she both knew how to pray with us and was the funniest person in the room, something I didn't know was possible. As I got older... She subtly modeled through example the kind of leadership qualities she hoped we would all come to exhibit. When I started college, she gave me permission not to go to church because that was what I had done and was familiar with. She encouraged me to figure out who God was beyond the walls of the church and off the mountain where I had grown up knowing God at camp. And a year and a half later, when I could no longer stand to be away, she was the first to welcome me back and help me to make meaning of it all. For years, she had lived into the brilliance of her vocation without the ability to share the most important relationship in her life. She had accepted me and everyone I knew for exactly who we were, and at the time, the church would not allow her to be in a committed relationship, much less married to another woman. As you may remember, Virginia was slower to allow gay marriage than some other states and dioceses. Eventually, the time came for her to honor the fullness of who she was. And so she sat us down and bravely apologized to this lot of gangly teenagers. She was moving on because she could no longer honestly lead us, knowing that it was not the example she hoped to be in our lives. We were speechless, none of us feeling deserving of an apology, but in awe of who she was and would continue to be for each of us. She is one of my first, but not the only model who has demonstrated that how we behave and the ways in which those behaviors shape us into a new way of believing matter most. Woman, great is your faith. This morning's text from the Gospel of Matthew presents a variety of challenges, to put it mildly. There is confrontation around every corner, most unexpectedly in the form of harsh words from Jesus. And I don't think it's at all helpful to try to soften this message. So I'm going to try and give you some context as to what scholars think is happening here before addressing what we are to make of all of it. Every kind of boundary imaginable is crossed in this encounter with the Canaanite woman. The Canaanites were the inhabitants of the land that Israel came into at the time of the conquest under Joshua, so one could assume distance between Judeans and Canaanites. Canaanites. Differences of ethnicity, heritage, religion, and gender separate this woman from her Judean, from the Judean social norms, notes one scholar. So given this reality, Some interpreters are willing to overlook the undeniably harsh words from Jesus, arguing that he had a clear mission and she fell beyond the bounds of who his mission included. This interpretation doesn't work because it limits the scope of God's reach as defined by human-imposed boundaries. 
Another biblical scholar notes, an older school of interpretation, while stressing the woman's humility, tenacity, and insight, argues that Jesus intentionally draws this response from her. I find this to be problematic because this understanding of Jesus' intentions, because it opens up countless other questions about his tendency to be manipulative or coercive just to get his point across. This doesn't feel consistent with who Jesus seems to be in most of the other stories we have about his ministry or his personhood. So I don't think this interpretation works either. A different school of thought comes from more recent commentators who view this encounter as a moment when Jesus let his guard down, revealing the results of his compassion fatigue. In a reversal of the usual roles, the respected teacher learns from an outsider the need to broaden his ministry of hospitality to those outside the House of Israel, writes Ewan Russell Jones. But I find this to be a problematic understanding of Jesus' intentions, which suggests that the scope of God's kingdom was not always a part of Jesus' mission. This calls into question the reactionary nature of Jesus' blessings, as opposed to the inevitability of God's unconditional mercy and grace. This interpretation doesn't work either. People much smarter and more experienced than me with their biblical scholarship have spent a lifetime trying to make sense of this passage. And I confess, none of them address all of the concerns that come up with this encounter. This leads me to once again admit that fully comprehending Jesus' intentions is beyond the scope of my capability. And it makes me wonder if beyond my reach is exactly where it belongs. But regardless of where you land on this question, there is still much to be gained from this woman and these series of passages, all while acknowledging how troubling the encounter is. Paired with the earlier verses about defilement and the rest of chapter 15 from the Gospel of Matthew, this entire section addresses questions about the nature of our faith. Or another way to understand what Jesus is saying is that our identity is not the most important thing about us. Rather, how we behave and the ways in which those behaviors shape us into a new way of believing matter most. Listen again to this passage, noticing this time the posture of the unnamed woman. She came out shouting, meaning... Her ask was not a quiet one, a gentle clug on the tug on the cloak, or a hopeful brush of an elbow. She led with a loud declarative introduction that would have drawn attention from all in the vicinity. If their cultural norms were anything like ours, I imagine she turned lots of heads, causing whispers as to what was wrong with her. Making no progress, she approached Jesus and knelt before him. Her vulnerability was fully embodied in the posture she assumed at his feet. With her words and her actions, she begged for God's mercy on her daughter. It seems an acknowledgement that she had nothing left to lose as she laid bare the very content of her heart. It is possible that she was at a point of desperation. I wonder if she represents the sound and posture of every concerned parent with a sick child who would not spare any offense to petition the one who has a reputation for healing the sick. 
So instead of solving the problem of Jesus's response in this encounter, this passage fills me with wonder about what we, can, what we have to learn from those who lead with their hearts, as the Canaanite woman did. Time after time, when the diagnosis comes, when the wildfires burn, when the tree falls, when your parent is no longer there to be the first to wish you a happy birthday, much of what seems to matter most fades into the rearview mirror. We are left with questions of the heart, not the head, as we evaluate the end of their days and ultimately ours. Because the only thing that lasts forever is the love of God who wants to be with us for all of eternity. In absorbing that love into our hearts, we then become a conduit for sharing that very same kind of love. The most important thing about us is the content of our hearts. Father Richard Rohr said, See everything, judge little, forgive much. See everything, judge little, forgive much. It seems this passage... And the whole of Matthew's gospel is, the le- is a lesson in how we might live into this mantra. The very beginning of this encounter with Jesus happened because he went. He walked. He left the place where he was. He crossed a geographical and political boundary that led to the violation of multiple other boundaries. That's a simple detail, but a critical one. Jesus doesn't often try and convince his followers into a new way of belief through coercion. In being out there with the people, Jesus demonstrates how behaving shapes a new way of believing. The unnamed woman, with her words, her posture, and her vulnerability, shows us how her behavior shaped a new way of believing. So it seems our time might be best spent paying attention to those whose behaviors demonstrate their beliefs. We would do well to be curious about those like the Shrinemont chaplain and the unnamed woman who invoke this powerful refrain from Jesus. Woman, great is your faith. But just in case you're still worried about Jesus's harsh words, I'll leave you with this. At the very end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We don't need to spend time worrying about the limits of God's mercy. Clearly, it does not abide boundaries. Amen.